Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast With your hosts Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner And we've got some news to get into Some training camp in some places For some people has begun We've had quarterbacks reporting, rookies reporting I've seen our guy Tyron Matthew is looking fresh to death in his new Jordan cleats that he's got on, preparing for everything. He's already he's already talking smack about becoming defensive player of the year. I love it. It's coming out hot early on. So it's these are the types of things I like to see. Everybody getting back into action uh, and and us being able to talk about football, which is great. And and the big thing that happened in between our last two podcasts is there was a trade because inevitably they always happen uh, in between when we're doing podcasts. And of course, there was another one, a, a pretty big one here. And one that, quite frankly, we talked about Jamal Adams a lot. And I didn't think this was going to get done, uh, mostly because I didn't think anybody would give up what Seattle gave up. So I, this trade is, is I understand the need. Um, that's a defense that needs players needs playmakers we've talked about that a lot but Jake talk about it from overall maybe from the Jets perspective because we've we've seen this relationship between Adam Gase and Jamal Adams dissolve right in front of our eyes so them getting rid of him and getting what they got back was probably the best case scenario for them they got a king's ransom period end of story the Jets win this trade save me that Jamal Adams is what he's a safety this is not Jacksonville. They got more than Jacksonville got back for Jalen Ramsey from the Rams, which is two firsts and something else. They got a starting safety back in McDougal, two firsts and a third. They gave up the player and a fourth. I just don't get it. I mean, Seattle, I, I keep hearing Pete Carroll's like, well, you know, we're always picking in the late 20s or 30s, and you screw those up every time is why you're talking about you can't get this kind of player back but it's a safety, not a shutdown corner. And save me the Legion of Boom, at best, he's never Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas in his peak, the Legion of Boom, what he played seven years in Seattle? Yeah. You're, not yep. getting, you're probably not getting seven years of Jamal, Jamal Adams there. They didn't re-sign him. They said you're playing this year on your rookie deal. So they gave all that up to be held ransom by a guy that you know wants to be the highest paid safety in the league. Again, I, I just I don't get it. You trade for Jadavion Clowney last year. You don't have him back. You're just giving capital away like crazy, and your team's not that good. You have a phenomenal quarterback that wins you games. Now you have a quarterback of the defense along to go along with Bobby Wagner again in the back end. But, and I love Jamal Adams, the player. Phenomenal. Yeah. But it's another guy that talked himself into a situation to leave. But Jacksonville and, and New York came out better. They came out without the headache with a ton of picks. I just don't see how this was a win-win. Because Seattle's not good enough that one player is putting them over the top. Yeah, I think that's the perspective and the lens that I want you to focus on there, Jamie, is because we know Jamal Adams is a phenomenal player, right? That's not – we're not here to argue that. But does this, in fact, put them that much higher along to to compete with – we know in that division that's going to be really strong, but to compete to win a Super Bowl because that's the expectation in this Russell Wilson window. It makes them better, but I don't think it makes them – I don't think it gets them significantly further – toward the goal of winning a Super Bowl than they were before. And by the way, odds makers agree they didn't touch their Super Bowl totals mm-hmm. or odds uh, one bit. Um, look, it, 
Jake's 100% right about the, the you, you gave up way too much. And, and here's one narrative that I, I want to bust right away because re- it's been really annoying me and I haven't had a chance to vent about it. You don't get credit for being shitty drafters and just trading away all your capital. That's, that's not a good thing. I'm tired Amen. of hearing – I am tired of hearing this from, from all across, oh, well, they would have, as a justification, oh, they would have screwed up these picks anyway, so now it's a good trade. No. Good front offices and organizations don't habitually screw up first-round draft picks. So, no, you don't get extra credit. Because, you don't just get extra credit because you suck at drafting early anyway. Well, most uh, people get fired for it. Correct. And, and so, look, too, they gave up too much. Does it make them better for this year? A little bit, yes, absolutely. But are they going to win? Do I think they're going to win the Super Bowl more now than I did a week ago? No, they're still the second best team in the division. They're still not the second best team in the conference. They're going to have to go on the road and win multiple playoff games to even get to Tampa for the Super Bowl. Uh, I just, it to me, it, it was uh, so much to give up. And now, like Jake said, the point that's happened with what happened with Laramie Tunsil, what happened with Jalen Ramsey. You're now in, you've now put yourself in a box where, yes, you have a little bit more control because of the franchise tagging you can do with him that you couldn't do with those other guys in the same fashion. But then you're just going to inherit the same contractual issues the Jets just had. And sure, yes, there was a, dis- a disconnect, probably being nice, but a disconnect between Jamal Adams and Adam Gase. But don't, don't be fooled. A lot of this was about money as well and being paid what Jamal Adams thought he was worth. So if you don't do that in a year, and maybe you lose after one or two playoff games, What's going to happen if you don't have a new deal? When this cap, when this cap stays flat, you're going to deal with the same problems again, or you're going to have to tag them at exorbitant rates. So you start paying $17, $18 million a year for a safety? I mean, is, is, that, is that where we're going? I, I don't know. Just To me, it's again, it makes them a little bit better this year, but not at the price of what they gave up. I mean, two firsts, a third, a starting safety. Like I just – to me, it was just – when I saw this deal, I went – yeah, I understand why the Jets said, uh, yeah, let's get this done immediately. Like, that's, why you always, that's the joke of why you always pick up the phone because you never know who's calling. Like, that's – I mean, I imagine Joe Douglas got that call and went, I, I can completely now build this franchise the way I need to build it, given yep. this package. Yeah. I, 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 I love it. Guys, Russell Wilson gets hurt for six games. That's a top 12, top 15 pick. Oh, 100%. I, I mean, it's, it's just – it's crazy. I, look, I love the player. The safeties aren't shut down corners. This is, it was too much to give up for Jalen Ramsey, but especially when you're going to get handcuffed and you now that they own you because you can't get rid of them. You can't give up all this and let them walk. It's their fifth year option. They got the tag, all that kind of stuff. But it's just, they're decent up the middle with Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, and Jamal Adams. Shaq Barrett or Shaq, uh, whichever, the, the brothers. Yes, they're okay. They still have nobody to rush the passer. Without yeah, that's the big at, at, at all. Literally nobody. Yep. nobody. Literally nobody. So I don't care how good the safety is. If you, if you don't have the corners to cover and you're not getting a pass rush, that's putting more on Russell Wilson, period. I just – it's a ton, ton, ton to give up. Yeah, I mean, I get – if you're a Seahawks fan, I understand being excited about the player. Jamal Adams, to say all that, to say Jamal Adams, great player. But you gave up a lot. And jokingly about everything that's been said about their first-round picks that they – that they just absolutely lose out on every year. We went in on this organization earlier this off season, because this is an organization that hangs their hat on Russell Wilson and kind of just sits back and goes, well, we have Russ. And it's like, that's great. But you have the last five years of your drafts in the first round have not been good. 
And there's not many people that give that leeway, but Russ affords them that leeway because they're always there. They're always in the, I mean, you can't, are you going to fire people that are in the postseason every year? No, but should Pete, look, you? Pete coaches them up. Pete coaches yeah. them up. They do, they do what they do well, and Russ does what he does well. But you can't keep losing pieces and think you're going to have a chance to be that good. They're not going to win the division. I, I agree with Jane. If, they're, if they make the playoffs, they, they'll probably be close. you got to go on the road, go on the road, go on the road, and the NFC is loaded. I don't know what, what home team you're going, you think you're going to go beat on the road. And look, there's another, another part of this. Jamal Adams proved that if you don't pay him, what he's going to do. So just because you want to put throw the fifth-year option on him doesn't mean he's showing up without a new deal. You want to tag him doesn't mean he's showing up the next year without a new deal. He's a kid from Texas that went to LSU. The Pacific Northwest is a whole other beast to live in. He might hate it. Mm-hmm. He might Maybe. want out. And you gave up all – these players keep talking themselves into – getting out of where they're at, but the teams that hold the rights to them are the ones I told you a long time ago. The players aren't winning this. They're talking themselves out of situations, but if you're going to be that big of a headache, Bradley McDougal is a decent player. He's going to step yeah. in and start at safety for them, and you get all of this extra stuff. It's, I, I just, uh, and there's no guarantee he stays in Seattle. Yeah, and I, I, I think – yeah, yeah, go ahead, James. I, I just have a hard time whenever you're trading two first-round picks for anybody not a quarterback or an elite, elite proven pass rusher. Like, I just have a hard time. I just, it just, it's, it almost always comes back to bite you. Or Jonathan Ogden in his prime. Sure. Right? Like, like a, don't like a superstar yeah. franchise left tackle, which there aren't enough yeah. of anymore anyway. So, like, that's, yeah. you don't see that. It's, it's, it, I think the best thing, and Jamie, I'm glad you brought it up, was what happens to the odds makers? Like, did, does Vegas think that this trade makes this team that much better? I can tell you because you brought it up, Jamie. The, like I saw Trevor Sikama from the draft network. He put out like you gave up a King's ransom and he put it up against what the bears did with Khalil Mack. And he's like, you guys are giving up more for less. And I don't like, I don't understand. And I by can the tell way, you, Khalil Mack a, had a contract in front of him that he signed. So they 100%. got him. No, they got him locked up. He ain't going anywhere. Yes. They don't have to deal with the headaches. No. That's not the case. They said you're playing on your rookie deal. That's that's, that is a big difference. And the other difference is I can tell you because I was actually in Vegas the Super Bowl odds for the Bears changed a, ga- a game and a half in their win oh, total yes. when they got Khalil Mack. It was insane. It was a totally different scenario. So I'm looking at this going, okay, Seahawks fans, respectfully, not Khalil Mack. Like, Jamal Adams is great, not Khalil Mack. Speaking of Khalil Mack, because we need to talk about some revisionist history that's going on with this as well. Uh, the Bears aren't struggling now because of their Khalil Mack trade. The Bears are struggling no. now because of who they decided to trade up for and take with the number two pick in the quarterback draft and then deciding that after one bad, one and a half really bad seasons that he's like, oh, you know what, we're going to go after and Nick Foles. That's why they're struggling right now. They're not struggling because of the Khalil Mack trade. No doubt. Like, I mean, well I, I sort of see that narrative pop up now that, oh, well, look what happened because look where the Bears are now. The Bears are not where they are now because of Khalil Mack trade. Like, stop. No, and please – what's happening. Please explain to me how also just so we're clear where they are now, they were four and 12. Okay. Without Khalil Mack, then they were 12 and four and won the division. And then they were eight and eight. So as a bears fan, I will take where they are now to compare to the four and 12, where they were the season that they ended up getting Khalil Mack. So maybe went you guys from average to top three defense with Khalil Mack <clears throat> the last two years. There's this one is- other thing to mention on the Jamal Adams stuff, the way Seattle plays defense. You go back, Earl Thomas is playing center field, Roman, you know, the deep back end, Cam Chancellor is playing in the box. 
he's more of that back end guy. He plays like Tyron, right? He plays all over the yeah. place. He can blitz. He's bigger, faster version, maybe more physical than Ty. I don't know if he has the instincts that Ty has, but he plays like that. But in Seattle, you don't play like that. He, he's not really going to be doing a lot of stuff. He was doing a Greg Williams and Ty Bowles' defense where he's blitzing all over, like doing all kinds of random crazy stuff, right? Seattle's pretty vanilla. So he's basically yeah. going to be Earl Thomas playing the back end, running stuff down, which he can do. But to me, it's not what he's best suited for. Well, and that's also what I'm interested in seeing. Like, this team doesn't blitz, like, at all. And, I mean, considering they have no, no legitimate pass rushers at this point in time, like, are they just going to let – put Adams in the box and let him – I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to – like, again, Adams is a great player. We're not, we're not talking down the player. Uh, he's a phenomenal a phenomenal safety. It's just that you give up that kind of ransom, you need to have somebody that is going to elevate your entire team to the next level. And I just don't think the way they're currently constructed that that player is going to be Jamal Adams. Yeah, it makes him better, but he's not – doesn't make him – I don't feel really much better about them winning a Super Bowl now than I did a week ago. That, that's, that's the best way I could put it. They're better. They're still not the best team in the division. They're, they, they're still a wild card team for me. And there's three wild card teams this year anyway. So, I mean, that – they're definitely going to get in in that spot, I think, unless Wilson gets hurt. But I just, I just think they're they're stuck in this this level where they've been for a while, where they're a good, well, they're a good team if you include Russell Wilson, which you have to. Uh, they're not a well constructed team, but they're a good team. They're not a great team. They're going to play some really phenomenal games every time they'll play the Packers in the postseason. Something stupid's going to happen because they're never the Niners and Seahawks or Packers and Seahawks meet up. Something stupid happens, but yeah. they're not going to win a Super Bowl with currently constructed. And I don't think that they, but they, they didn't give themselves a longer window. That's the other thing. There's the narrative going around that they've now extended their potential window with Russell Wilson. Now, yeah, they, they, have they shortened it by not having any first round picks in the next two years. Yeah, I. I don't think the Rams extended their window by getting Jalen Ramsey. Do I remember that narrative? So why is it okay for in Seattle? Like, it's just, I don't know. It, it's just odd to me. I was going to say, my confidence doesn't go up for them winning the Super Bowl. It goes down for them winning one of the next five or six years. Because you just lost two giant pieces. Yep. I, I, I don't know. And you're going to have to pay him. And you're going to have to pay him. Like, that's, that's the other part. Or he's a out. A ton of money. Like, or he's going to be a so, headache again. You're going to have to move him. He, so, just proved, he just proved you what he's going to do. So I hope. I hope you get something done because otherwise you're going to have given all that up and not have anything to show for it. And that's, that's pretty difficult. If you gave that up and you got Aaron Donald from the Rams this off season, I would have said, congrats, Seattle. That's some, like, I would have looked at it completely differently, but I, I just, it, it's, if I you brought Jadavia and Clowney back next to him. Yeah. I'd be like, all right. Yeah. Uh, now that's not, now like, you got one of the most now, fearsome Right and if the win total would change. I guarantee you that. If that's what the, if that was what was happening, it would look a lot different. But I think yeah. you're looking at this and you're going, okay, it doesn't make your team that much better. And I understand how people are going to be like, you guys don't like Jamal Adams. That's not what it is. We're just looking. We love at him. It. We, we love him. him. And for our Great new player. listeners, we're all for him getting paid. Yes. <laughs> Get your bread. We're yes. all for players getting paid. I'm not for them talking themselves out of situations. Yep. Because I don't think it's I don't think it's beneficial to the players, but we're always pro player when it comes to getting paid for the most part. There's there's a couple yeah. of situations that we're like, this is stupid. Raheem Mostert being one of them, but they got that done. <laughs> they put a bunch yeah. of incentives in and yeah. cool. They didn't add any for years. Sure. They they gave him a little bonus and said, Okay, look, you're gonna be the guy. Here's your incentives, we'll make them reachable and you can double your salary. Well, let's talk about players wanting their money, right? So let's talk about the other thing, piece of news before we get into some defensive kickers, uh, is Dalvin Cook holdout, right? So we've talked about this and, and whether or not this is going to obviously have a huge impact to the fantasy community because he's one of the 
top elite running backs coming off a fantastic season last year. Uh, so this is what's going on in the media, right? You have Mike Zimmer comes out. They're reporting. He's at the facility. We've get, we're getting more quotes from coaches. He says, I talked to Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook said he's going to show up. Agent says, no, he didn't. And running back coach says, no, actually, he talked to me, and he told me that he's coming, and I told Zim, okay? Then agent goes, no, he didn't tell the running back coach either, okay? Then we got Mike Zimmer coming out saying, Dalvin Cook's going to be a captain this year. Oh, by the way, head coaches do not pick the captains, okay? So this is this, is this, whole, this whole thing that's going on in the media, right? And I, I was hopeful that this wouldn't happen because this makes me more concerned about Dalvin Cook and this holdout than before because if it's quiet, I assume that things are going to more go back to normal. And the second that I read Mike Zimmer saying, Dalvin Cook said he's going to be back, I'm going – I really hope that that happened. And then the agent's like, "Uh uh-uh, it did not happen. So Jake, you know this process very well, right? The agent's turned the pot. The truth is somewhere in the middle of this whole situation, right? Uh, So what is your, you're the doubt, you're part of the Dalvin Cook playing club, right? So what is your concern level now that we have this back and forth in the forefront of the media with Dalvin Cook agent and Minneapolis? My concern is high. My concern was not that high until I started seeing all this, but this never leads to anything good. I cannot see the Vikings caving because they don't have that much on the cap. And if the cap stays the same, technically it goes down because the cap's gone up for like, what, 10, 11 years in a row? Yeah. Uh, I can see the TV ratings being insanely asinine based off of baseball and golf, right? And they're renegotiating all these TV deals. So there could be some stuff there with the new CBA being based off of revenue. All that being said, the cap's not going up for probably three years, which means technically it's going down. Yeah. Uh, they have salary cap issues. They love the player. And then I saw start seeing the narrative of he wants to be paid like McCaffrey and definitely more than Henry. He's a three down back. I can see him getting more than Henry, but Henry's workload is he plays through injuries. Dalvin Cook has an injury history. He ain't McCaffrey. No. Saquon's getting McCaffrey money. Camara might get close but they're eating dead money from Drew Brees whenever that's done. So like maybe a little bit more than Henry, which was really just a two-year guaranteed deal and he's going to be happy and show up. I, I don't know. I, to me, if he holds out, I would have never said Le'Veon Bell has missed an entire season. I would have never said it. I don't know that I could say that anymore, which if you're drafting this dude like fifth overall in your fantasy drafts, I'm pumping the brakes big time. Well, and there's also the other reality of the situation is of, of the world we're living in right now. And it, there's never been, for a lot of different reasons, there's never been an easier time to say, you know what? Especially if you truly believe, like, I'm not playing under my current deal. I mean, there are provisions to allow you to opt out uh, at a small stipend, a much, much less than what he'd be making this year, and much less than he'd be making on any sort of new contract. But, you know, if, if that's a factor in his life as well, if he's thinking, well, you know what? Given the, the pandemic and everything else, I'm really not playing on my current deal anymore. That, that, that adds another wrinkle to this equation. It's going to be interesting because of the way that the new, the new CBA is kind of written. It, it's not very lockout friendly in, ter- in terms, of, especially on players on rookie deals and how much, how much the fines really, really jump up really quickly. Uh, and you really only have to miss like a couple of weeks for it to start to be in six figures in terms of fines now. So, I mean, it is pretty significant. So, I, I think at that point now, if you kiss and make up, a lot of times that that stuff gets overlooked. But Used to. But they, they used you just said to, the way it's written, they don't have to anymore. Yeah, they don't have to. It'll be 
Uh, I am more concerned now than I was before because now from what it went from being like, okay, let's see what happens. You know, you can't hold out when there's nothing to hold out from yet uh, to now it feels like the organization is trying to win this battle through the media. Uh, I don't think that these, these comments were released or said in a press conference by accident. Um, <laughs> so now it's like, uh, and now the agents are digging the heel, heels in the sands. Like it, it just, it, it's not a great situation uh, overall. I still think he ends up showing up, but I also think that I'm not spending a first round fantasy pick on Dalvin Cook right now. I think that's is again, if he was under under normal circumstances, you know, he was healthy going into the season, all that other stuff, he's a top five, top six pick. But right now, I have to let somebody else take that risk. If he drops you in the second, I might jump all over it. Because yeah, it might sure, win you he, it might win you your league. But his ADP is still fourth overall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If like, he shows I mean, up. If he shows up and passes COVID tests, both of them, in 72 hours, and he's there, I'd feel a lot better than I do right now. But without him showing up yet, and they, they haven't started, and all this going on, I'm just like, oh, okay, I got I to gotta pump it a little bit. But I also think it's worth noting, too, and, and we, we all love Dalvin Cook on this show, but this isn't McCaffrey. This isn't Saquon Barkley. This isn't somebody that you feel like, okay, he's going to be in. I can lock in. I know Saquon hurt his ankle last year, but – that was just more of a fluky thing. I can lock in for 15, 16 games and know I'm going to get elite production. I don't feel better locking in more than like 12 for Calvin Cook. And there'll be, there'll be 12 excellent games, but you have to factor that in as well, where if this situation, let's say was happening with McCaffrey, let's say he was holding out. It's like, oh, I'm not playing on my rookie deal anymore. He didn't get this deal done. Then it'd be like, well, yeah, the second he shows back up in camp, I'm full stock right back on him because yeah. I know what I'm going to get when he's there. There are still other issues that I think we would have been debating about whether or not we want to take him top five, even if there was no holdout. I mean, there are other questions there about health, about can you do it again? How much, how big of a role is Alexander Madison going to have? How is the offense going to change a little bit? And it's not going to change a lot, but has it changed a little bit going from Stefanski to Kubiak? And we'll be talking about all of these factors on top of the fact that he might hold out. Like that just scares me. Like I have to let somebody else take that risk in round one. Jamie, that's a great point about Kubiak because I know Kubes is like, this is the perfect running back for my zone scheme, slasher, Terrell Davis, but smaller, but that one cut slasher and go, right? He's, so they're, they're going to get some pressure to like put him in there or Kubes was there last year and going, hey, Madison's really good. Boone, really good. Much cheaper. I'm okay. Like I, there's, there's that aspect that Zim is going to lean on a guy like Kubes veteran done it all right and go what do you think i think that's invaluable for coobs in this front office that for for zim to have a guy like coobs to be like you know what do you think i mean I, I, that's to me that's a huge part of this if zim's our coobs is like we gotta have him he's the dude like this is there, there, i think there's a better chance some of this kind of stuff gets done but i think I, if he shows up he's gonna have to play on his current deal yeah, so here's the issue, right? So because of the Le'Veon Bell stuff that happened, I bring this question up more so because there is somebody that's already there, and that's Alexander Madison. So what what happens to his value overall if he does go, listen, I, because of the risk involved with this season, I don't feel comfortable playing under my current contract, which he's fully capable of doing, right? He's going to say, okay, I'm going to exercise my right to sit out. I'm going to opt out. This year, I'm going to sit back and not play. And then Alexander Madison goes out and balls out this year, okay? What happens for – because that's the scenario I'm playing out in my head. I'm going, okay, yes, that is an option for you, 
But what happens to your value and what happens to your negotiating power if you sit out this season and Alexander Madison steps right in and looks phenomenal and plays 16 games? Because that, to me, is the scenario I'm playing out in my head if I'm an agent going, that's worst case scenario because that's going to really impact his value, Jake. If I'm on the agency side, I'm saying you need another year like last year, but you need to put it all together for 16 games. And now we're talking about not McCaffrey money because he's done it for three years, breaking records. But we're talking more than Derrick Henry. He's a three-down guy. I see him being more involved in the passing game this year too. But I'm like, you cannot let Madison go take your job. Out of sight, out of mind. Another guy comes in and he gives you 85% of what Dalvin Cook is. You're not paying Dalvin Cook. Not, not the money that he wants, right? There's definitely can an aspect name, of that. Can you name the last year-long holdout from anybody that came back and then made up with that team? I mean, Trent Williams is gone. Le'Veon Bell was gone. I mean, there, there's, there's not a lot of these. It's not like we have a lot to choose from, but it just doesn't happen. When, when you, if you end up sitting out the year, you're sitting out the year until you're going somewhere else, and whether that's via trade, whether that's they terminate your account, whatever it is, you, you, you don't come back at that point. Like, if, if you're not back by that week 10 mark, like, you're not coming back to that team. Like it just, it just doesn't happen. At that point, the relationship is so fractured unless this is only part of the reason why you're holding out. And like I said, given the whole thing that's happening in the world, I'm not saying – I don't have any inside information. I'm just saying it has to be a factor because if you're already considering sitting out, there are other factors that are other players are already choosing to sit out that have no contract disputes. So yeah. that, plays into your, that plays into the equation as well, possibly, for him. But, I just can't imagine these yeah. guys, as young as they are, with the risks of these young guys getting sick. I mean, we're talking more worried about their families, wives, babies, that kind of stuff. For sure. But you're not making a million dollars again in your life. I don't know if he has a college degree, but even if you do, the chances of going entering the real world post-football, trust me, and making football money is never happening again. So to lose a year in your prime, to go put up numbers like last year. Cause if you do, you're talking about 13, $14 million. Generational somebody, wealth. Yeah. yeah. Generational wealth. At, at least taking the care of the next generation, right? Like, yeah. But changing your entire, the generation before you buying mom a house, all that stuff. He was a high pick, but you cannot pass up that kind of money. I, I, to me, it makes, to me, if I'm his agent, I'm going, I need another year. Yeah. We're, we're getting close. If you want to stay in Minnesota, you want to be afraid, you still got to go ball out. Put up the numbers like last year, but you got to prove you're not injury prone. Yeah, you got to you got to prove that. If you do, we're talking major. We're talking well, much more than Derrick Henry. At least another year or two on top of that. Derrick Henry is really just two year deal. Yeah, I, I think that's. And he was up, right? Like Dalvin's not up. No, he's trying to Dalvin's get paid not up. before he's up. And, yeah, and because he's coming off the big season because he's healthy yeah. season, which yeah. again, he missed time last year too. I saw the narrative. Yeah, he proved that he was healthy. No, he didn't. No, he, he missed didn't. the biggest games of the year for them. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't the same guy. That's, uh, the th- that's that's the very interesting narrative. So, t- so because if you say who was more healthy, Todd Gurley or Dalvin Cook, you're going to get completely different answers, despite the fact that they played a similar amount of games. Like, what is Dalvin Cook missing the end of the was season? A hell of a lot better than the other. Yeah, like one Cook. missed the end of the season, and we were ready to to put him put him in his grave that yeah. he was an old man at 24, and the other one missed the end of the season, and we're like, oh well, now he's healthy. Now we proved he can be healthy. It's just. <laughs> It's just interesting how those things get talked about. That's all I'm saying. It's uh, interesting how you choose what you want to see and you put it into a lens of a narrative that you want to write. That's usually what it is. You want to write the narrative, you can find an angle to make it happen for yourself. So I think this 
with Dalvin Cook, as we have said on this podcast many times, we're always pro the player getting their cash. I just think this is one of those logical situations where you're going, okay, you got to factor everything in here. They don't have the money to do this. You're not going to get this money because, quite frankly, you haven't been as good for as long as the guys you're talking about. You can't, you're not Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey. You don't, you, you're not in that category. You had a great season, singular, uh, still we're not fully healthy. Um, and you got to come out and do it again. And you got to make sure you do it again so the guy behind you doesn't showcase that it's more about the offense and less about you. Because if he comes in and Gary Kubiak showcases that, oh, by the way, he's had a pretty good showcasing of running backs that he can put into his offense and make them look good, it's not gonna, that's not going to be good for you. Because ask Melvin Gordon how him changing and getting another deal has worked out. Like, that's, that's, you're not going to get as much money from anybody else. You're going to get the most amount from that team, and you're going to try and go somewhere else. And it's, 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 this is what it is with this position now. That's, it's unfortunate, but it's the reality. So you don't – trust me, you do not want to watch Alexander Madison, who we've already seen do it. Like, we're not, we're not basing this off of nothing. I'm basing this off of the fact that I had Delvin Cook last year and multiple times on camera would watch Alexander Madison make a move and go, wow, it was a nice move, Delvin Cook. And I was like, oh, it's not Delvin Cook, it's Alexander Madison. It happened multiple mode. times. It, multiple times. And, and I know that here's, that's – Here's how it happens in the front office, to, to your point, Paige, which is a brilliant point. When you draft a player like Dalvin Cook, and you see the flashes, you start building your future, you start moving money in your future cap around what it's going to take to pay that guy, right? When, that, when, there's, when you think that somebody else could be that guy cheaper, and you're going, ooh, we got Harrison Smith, we got some, we got some, we missed some pieces on this defense, that money could be allocated quickly to someone else when Alexander Madison is a tenth of what you're talking about you want to get paid. Because he doesn't have to be 100% of you. He's not got to be 80% of you for them to allocate that money somewhere else. That's, you're right. That's, that, 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 the most money is sitting right there with them. That's, the most money is going to happen in Minnesota. And that's what I think a lot of the agents are, are missing or the players or there's a disconnect because they're going, okay, the grass is greener on the other side. We have plenty to showcase, especially with that position, that that is not true. And you're going to try and go and go somewhere else. And like Jake said, I think the biggest part of this is Alexander Madison does not have to be Dalvin Cook. If he's 75% of him and he costs – what he's going to cost, it's worth it because they can allocate that money to other players. And, get, oh, by the way, look at the Minnesota Vikings roster turnover this offseason. They need those players. They need that money. And the cap's not going up. So that's where I look at this and I go, man, go out there and ball and you're going to get paid. Like You go I do another back. thing like you did last year and you're getting paid a lot of money. Absolutely. Whether it's there or somebody else, you're getting paid. Yeah. I go back to uh-huh. the David Johnson, Steve Kime, the Cardinals. It was great yep. for both sides. They went, we love this guy. We're going to give him some money so he's set for life. We're going to do it before his contract comes up. He's a third-round pick. But we're not going to break the bank. And if we lose him, which we end up doing, he wasn't the same player, right? Like, we've all seen it. They didn't get crushed. by the, It wasn't a Todd Gurley deal. No. Right? But they gave it to him early before he had back-to-back seasons. Like, he was – you know, if he had done that again, like we're talking about Dalvin Cook, now the team is handcuffed. They, they're not losing that player. Yeah. they got to pay him a ton more. More of these running backs need to try to get that done then. And yes. not say, I want McCaffrey money. I, I love what Derrick Henry did. Yeah. Two years, Smart. guaranteed, big money, still going to be in your mid late 20s. You're going to get a couple more years, but it's all going to yeah. be guaranteed money instead of trying to get this front-loaded, long-term deal that you're never going to reach the whole the completion of. And then the team's going to move on when they can. Yeah, I think the, 
going for the guaranteed money, taking less in the overall number and understanding that at the end of the day, that's the line that you should be looking at, right? Yep. Well, we kind of like, that's, that's nice. You, you see the big headline. Okay. What's the money underneath? So the that's team will guaranteed. give you more money for two years. If it's all guaranteed, then saying yes. we're going to give you $80 million for five years, but they're going to front load 35 of it. Cause that's yeah. the guaranteed portion. That's all you're getting anyway. Don't worry about that total number of the length of the years, get the guaranteed money. And so many of these running backs need to do it early so they don't come up like this because the teams don't want to lose the player. But they're all replaceable at this point. We've learned that you're not winning Super Bowls with, with running backs anymore. There's too many of them. He yeah. should just he should just phone his friend Kirk Cousins on his team. Like this is what Kirk has like Kirk is a case in point of mother of God, he is getting paid more than he deserves. But I look at him and I go, Good for you, dude. Like, God bless you. Look at all that guaranteed money you've cashed in over the last three seasons. Like Five that's, seasons. Five. five I mean, it's, two franchise yeah. tags in Washington yeah. and three oh years guaranteed God. there, which they had to restructure because they weren't losing the player. Good that's for you, man. Play it. Good for you. Go teach your friend Dalvin how to do it. Teach everybody how to do it. Like, it's, it's – I want all the players to get – Be get careful when you hold out. the team's feet against the fire. It's never, never really – Especially as a running back. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. get to your point. Everybody falls in love with the term, and everybody falls in love with the big number at the top, and they don't think about what actually matters. And like, how many times have we talked about these deals? Saying, yeah, this deal was. I mean, they actually make deals that automatically void. Like, I think people like just don't fully understand these things. Of like, the, these deals are. I don't care. Oh, five years. They're all, they're entirely structured to be a two-year deal or three-year deal or to have cuts here or sometimes they automatically have automatic void years like you said get your guaranteed money put yourself in a situation where that last year of your deal they have to buy you out on a reasonable number like so if they say okay well we're done or you got hurt or we're sending you home they'll send you home with a three million dollar check or a two million dollar check or something else just in case and you'll be in great shape because you'll get another job it's not going to be at 15 million or 13 million or 12 million a year but you'll get another job Look, it if just, I'm Dalvin Cook right now and they offer me Derrick Henry's deal, I will tear up your rookie deal. We'll give you two years, $25 million, guaranteed. Sign it, you're set for life. Take care yeah. of your parents. Take care of any kids you're going to have. You're cool, and you're still 26 years old. You're going to get more. But sign it and set yourself up for life instead of worrying about this giant deal and where you fit with McCaffrey and everybody else. And I don't, we don't know that that all is going on, but that's, that, those names have been thrown out there. But he wants yeah. to be more than Derrick Henry and, and around McCaffrey. Take, which, if they offer you Derrick Henry money right now to tear up your rookie deal, which they'd be insane to do. Yeah. You ought to, you ought to be floating to the complex to sign that contract. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, w- I, I would not be handling this the way the agent's handling it. That's for sure. Um, at least in, in this case scenario. All right. The last thing we're going to do here on the pod, we got two position groups we're going to get into. So kickers and defense want to talk to we're not going to go through all the rankings if you want to see all the rankings you can go to tdn um, go to the draftnetwork.com become a premium member so you can see all of the breakdowns that jamie's been working on but more so what i want to focus on here are the guys that are good enough in these guys slash teams that are good enough in these positions and these position groups to make you want to draft them right they're, they're elite enough in a position group that a lot of people stream or don't draft and pick somebody up later on that you look at them and you go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go get this defense because they're going to score me enough points to justify that position. So, Jamie, let's kick things off with the defense. Who is a defense that you look at and you go, okay, 
that defense can do enough to justify me drafting them in a round that maybe everybody else is going to go, ooh, a defense early on, but then you're going to be averaging 25 points per game with your defense and they win you your league. I'm not sure there's any defense I'm going to draft that early. Um, I know it's going to happen, uh, but to me, it, it, always wait on these positions because you almost are always – yes, if you have the number one defense, you have an advantage. But as we've seen predicting who's going to be the number one fantasy Very defense hard. on a year-to-year basis is extremely difficult and extremely volatile. Uh, but to me, I think there are three that stand out above the rest. And again, understanding that there's a line in some cases between fantasy defenses and real-life defenses in terms of big plays, splash plays, those sort of things – um, most standard scoring doesn't factor in yards allowed or anything like that. And sometimes points allowed are factored in, but there's smaller differences compared to sacks, turnovers, interceptions, all that stuff. To me, the top three are clear. In whatever order you like, I have them in this order. I have Pittsburgh one, San Francisco two, Baltimore three. Uh, any of those order I think is perfectly reasonable. Those to me are the ones that I would say, the only ones you should really target. If you're, if you're just focused and I, you know what, I want to have a positional advantage I'm going to take them in round 12 or something. Those are the only, I, I, I wouldn't advise that, but those are the only three I would go out of my way to target. I think they're, they're going to be a cut above the rest. Pittsburgh's defense was phenomenal last year, particularly after they got Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, a lot more splash plays on that team. Tough division, and again, two of these teams from the same division, but you're going to get splash plays. You've got great secondaries here. Uh, in the Niners' case, you have really, really, really strong pass rushers. Steelers, you have both. Um, I think those are the three clear premier overall defenses. I, I love Pittsburgh. I got them as my number one, too. The biggest reason is because Ben's back. I, if they're going to put up points, they're going to put up numbers. Teams are going to have to play them differently, which is going to allow those pass rushes to tee off and that really good secondary. I don't know they're going to get the turnovers at the rate they were getting last year, but that defense is going to be better having their superstar quarterback back. Love the Niners. Love Baltimore. There's a couple I'll throw out there that I'm going to keep an eye on that I probably won't draft because I haven't had to yet. I did a bunch of mocks the other day. I like Denver. You, got, you still got Chubb and Von Miller. They're a little weak in the secondary, losing Chris Harris Jr. They added some pieces there, but I love, I love Vic. I love the, what they're going to do. I think they want to run the ball, and they want to put their defense out there to get after you. So that's one I like. I love Tampa's. I, I think Tampa's the same way. They proved down the stretch with their pass rush, with those linebackers and the young secondary. Uh, New Orleans is another one you might have to draft. And then Chicago's. I love the defense, but it scares the hell out of me with the quarterback situation because them in New England, I think the defenses might have to be out there too much. We talked yeah. about Chicago technically was better last year than the year before, but their numbers didn't show it because they were out there so much more. So I think Chicago and New England are like that trap of grab them, but not looking at the whole, the whole picture. Like I'm saying with Pittsburgh, when you have the complete picture with Ben back, that defense should be even better. But like down the way of, of teams I want to own defensively, Tampa and Denver, too, that I'm looking at that I think you can really get your hands on and I think you'd be really happy with. Yeah, I think yeah, we – last year we talked about Tampa a lot, remember? Like, we talked about Tampa a lot in the back half of the season. Uh, and even Tyron pointed it out on the podcast. He was talking about that de that defense and how underappreciated they were because of what we talk about all the time. The first eight weeks of the year, write what you are for the rest of the season. And that just was not true. I played Tampa's defense down the stretch and they were – really good for me um and I think this year the second year under Todd Bowles you're gonna see rookies that have are gonna play a bigger part and they brought a lot of the guys back that they had last year pretty much all the guys back that they needed to um and quickly Levante David's the most underappreciated player in the NFL that's all I have to say 
period in the story. The addition of Antoine Winfield in the back end to a young mm-hmm. secondary they got really good down the stretch, I'm very excited to see. But all those guys getting the nuances of Todd's defense, you're exactly right, year two. They ought to pick up where they left off, and they were phenomenal down the stretch. But not having to draft them and be able to draft an extra player, I, I, I mean, I, I throw Cleveland in there too, I think. But Cleveland's division playing Pittsburgh and Baltimore, Stop. their schedule their schedule is going to be yeah. – but I think their defense is going to be really good. I love all the safeties they added. They love the meat and potatoes we talked about in their offseason. They should be able to get after the passer too, but they're going to be out there a bunch. A couple more things I want to mention briefly. One, to kind of put a bow on the Tampa Bay conversation. They came in at number seven for me, and I think they're the biggest value of the defenses and fantasy drafts. Right now they're going uh, – last I checked was defense number 14. Uh, I, he, there's a formula to finishing as a top 10 fantasy defense, and it's very simple. Finishing the top 10 in turnovers, finishing the top 10 in sacks. Tampa did both that last year while being the best team in the NFL against the run. And as you said, Paige, they, they helped you down the stretch. You know why they helped you down the stretch? They were the number one fantasy defense in the second half of the season. Number one. Uh, and people, have, again, going back to that thing that we always talk about, and you mentioned it already, st- the season doesn't end in week eight. Like things that the narratives change. And that's one of the ones that you could still take advantage of now because people are still thinking, oh, look at all the points Tampa gave up. Look at all this. And that they, don't, they didn't see the changes that happened midseason. They didn't see the post-Vernon Hargreaves cut uh, defense. They didn't see these young guys starting to get better. They didn't somehow did not correlate Jameis Winston throwing 87,000 interceptions to putting the defense in the bad position. So that's one you could take advantage of. The other one that's really interesting and – you wouldn't think it because if you just kind of watched what happened last year, they were kind of all over the place. But the Los Angeles Rams defense always finds a way to finish in the top five or six in yeah. fantasy. They always find a way. And it's because they have enough key playmakers in certain areas to make things happen. So that's one to kind of keep an eye on because that's a fairly high floor fantasy defense themselves. The only thing that scares me there is Wade Phillips is gone. Yeah. yeah. That, that would enough to be like, okay, I'd rather have – probably the only thing with Denver too, is the division they're playing in. Yeah. But you're talking about giving up points is usually not as bad as getting sacks, getting turnovers. When you got a healthy Chubb and Von Miller coming off the edge and Vic's defense, that's going to, you know, you can give up points as long as you can do the other things. Yeah. As long as you can do the other things. I agree with Jamie on the Rams. They've, they've been solid, but Wade Phillips being gone is enough to make me pause a little bit. Yeah. I think the the bow for the Tampa discussion for me is that you realize that they did all that in the back half of the season, and now they went from having the quarterback who turned over the ball the most to the quarterback who turns over the ball the least, okay? The defense is not going to be in precarious, terrible deci- like positions like they were every single game last year, okay? That makes a huge difference. 14 – Sign me up for Tampa at 14. Like, please yeah. and thank you. Hopefully, nobody, like I said, hopefully nobody from my league is listening so that way I can get them later on, okay? Because that's, that's phenomenal value for me as I'm, as I'm looking at defenses. When we look at kickers, right? So Jake, Jake, as the kicker on the show, okay, gets to – kickers are people too. We like to remind everybody about Athlete that. Athlete that happened to kick, Paige. I don't know how many times I have to tell you I was not a kicker. I am not a kicker. Athlete that happened to kick. Athlete that watches yeah. football from the couch only. Yes. Football guy. Old man that watches the couch, yes. Old man, football guy, uh, athlete that happens to kick. We're going to put that on a shirt for Jake to sell for TDN. That's going to be his official slogan. So 
there are a few kickers, right? We've, we've come to love in, in fantasy football guys that you just chalk up, you know, you have them and you're like, yep. Thank you very much. I know what I can expect week in and week out. Uh, Greg, the leg for a long time was the guy that we were able to just chalk up that he was going to be phenomenal. But there's another guy who is one of the more interesting people in the NFL because he can sing like in the, he can opera sing and he's got all this extra, like Justin Tucker is the most, one of the most interesting men in football. He just is a kicker. So I feel like nobody, he doesn't get the proper amount of love that he deserves because he's the top of his position. And he's also like one of the more interesting human beings. So Jake, Jamie has Justin Tucker number one overall. Do you have Justin Tucker number one overall? I do. And he's a damn sure an athlete that happens to kick ridiculously good athlete. I, I, it's not on him. He's phenomenal. He makes everything. He's missed one extra point. I think his entire career and then look on his face was <laughs> dumbfounded. He hit a slice crazy. Uh, so yes, I have a number one. I have Greg the leg too. Because I think going to Dallas is one of the biggest offseason moves that nobody talked about at all. Uh, we said that he was going to be one of the guys the Rams lost with all the salary cap stuff. And he did. He goes to Dallas indoors on a team that's going to put up points. And all those 50-yarders that are gigantic for you. So I still got Greg the leg at two. I got Bucker at three. Kansas City's going to put up a ton. He's got a big-time leg. Will Lutz at four. I got Robbie Gold at five. San Francisco is going to score a bunch of points. And Robbie's getting up there in age. But 52 and in, Robbie is Vinatieri-esque until Vinatieri struggled last year. But a couple guys I want to pay attention to that I think you can get, like the defenses we just talked to, are Matt Gay in Tampa, who are going to put up a bunch of points, massive leg, a coach that's going to throw him out there to do it. And the other one, Zane Gonzalez in Arizona, really resurrected his career last year, was really, really solid, plays indoors, team is terrible in the red zone, but they're going to score a ton of points, right? But the way they spread it out, they're going to kick a lot of field goals. They're never going to be tops in the NFL and red zone. Uh, so he's going to get a bunch of those 35 yarders that, that count, but they're going to score a ton of points. They're going to be down there a lot. He was really good last year. So guys that you're going to have to draft would be those top four, maybe Robbie Gold. But guys I'm going to target would be Zane Gonzalez and Matt Gay. Yeah, I mean, as far as the very top goes, as you said, I, I have Tucker number one, and just because of the high floor. He's finished as a top four fantasy kicker since 2016, every single season, without a And that's fail. before so, that offense was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, so you know what you get from him. Butker and Lutz are my two and three. Uh, again, patch the high-power offenses, do really well. Uh, Zerline at four, but I, I think we have professed my love for him over the last few years. Before last year, finishes the number one kicker on the points per game the last three seasons. Uh, goes to, again, another high-scoring offense. I actually have Matt Gay at five. Uh, I, I'm really excited about what, he had, what he's been able to do, uh, what he did last year, huge leg. He's going he's gonna, to, again, there's a theme here. Be attached to a really good offense, and, and I think yeah. that's what's happening here. Or be attached to a good offense that maybe doesn't have all the pieces to punch it in, which is kind of where, where I have Robbie Gold at six. Um, I have Zerlin at eight – or, excuse me, uh, Gonzalez at eight, so I love those picks. Matt Prater is one to keep an eye on, too, especially with Absolutely. Matthew Stafford coming back. He's my number seven. Uh, one of my little – my wild card ones, because he was so good uh, last year. I mean, from the time he took over as the starting kicker, he was the number one kicker in fantasy, and that's Young Way Koo uh, in Atlanta. Again, attached to another very, very strong offense. So those are the ones that I, I look at. To me, if, if I'm going to uh, – if I'm going to target a kicker like beyond the last round, you're looking at Tucker, Butker, Lutz, Zerloin, Gay, maybe Robbie Gold. I think at, at, after that point, I think you're kind of waiting to see who's available and then start to rank based on, you know, look at Jake's rankings on, on the draftnetwork.com. You can look at my rankings. And then at that point, you kind of go pick your favorites in order. But 
to me, those, those six I brought up before that you know, start with Tucker and end with gold, that's probably the ones I would be targeting, let's say, if I want to take one in the second to last round or, or something of that nature. Yeah, I mean, if you finish your draft and you end up with Tampa that you didn't have to draft as a defense and Zane Gonzalez is a kicker that you don't have to draft, you're going to be damn happy for yes, 15, you are. 14, 15 weeks. Like it's, yep. you could take those other guys. I mean, you could, I mean, drafting Justin Tucker, I was taking him in, in mock drafts the other day, messing around because he was still there in like the 12th and 13th round, him or him or Zerline. Those guys are so good. It's, it's almost worth doing. And yeah. I had Zerline a couple years ago. He was putting up 20 points a week. It was, it was nuts. He did it like five times. He was like my best running back some weeks. Yeah. Um, if you're going to do that, then you probably don't need to draft a kicker and a defense, but we're, we're giving you options that you'll be damn solid. The chargers are another defense. I wouldn't shy away from at all with that pass rush. And that's secondary. Yeah. The addition of Murray at linebacker, which where they were weak and, and Derwin James coming back and that secondary is maybe one of the best in football. And if they do run it consistently and Tyrod plays okay and doesn't turn it over, that defense can be really solid all year too. And I, I saw them falling way down. Nobody was drafting them. They were down by Tampa. They were like 12th or 13th on, on some of the rankings on the drafts that we were doing. One name I want to throw out before we put a bow on this conversation. Just it, It's again, he's ranked 25th among my kickers. So, I mean, this is a just deep, deep cut. I'm interested to see Sam Sloman with the Rams because the gen we talked about with the tight end show being put in a position to succeed doesn't mean you will. Doesn't mean you're the same player. And he's not Greg Zerline, and he's certainly not going to be Greg Zerline as a rookie. But I am interested on an offense that's going to throw a lot. I think they're going to be in the red zone a lot. They're they might score a lot. Uh, I'm very interested to see how he can do in that role. Can he be a guy maybe on a matchup basis if you are streaming the position, someone to kind of keep an eye on that nobody's drafting, nobody's even thinking about. But in the right situation, particularly if he's indoors or if there's a game you see they're going to score a lot of points that's somebody I would consider. Yeah. Well, right. the only other thing I'll say on kickers is pay attention to where they play. Like I love Bucker, but Kansas city, and he's done a phenomenal job kicking through some crappy yes. weather. It can be a mother, right? Like it's, it can, yeah. it can totally affect Justin Tucker. They went to turf there and made a huge difference. So even though it gets windy and the, the weather's bad, his leg is insane. Uh, but pay attention to where they play. So if you're going to take one of those as Zane Gonzalez playing inside, not a giant leg guy, but plenty strong enough from 55 and in, and like I said, really resurrected his career. But pay attention to those guys. Like Koo is, is awesome in Atlanta. You're playing inside. I mean, you're playing inside. You're playing in Tampa, which is really tough to kick in. And as one thing about Matt Gay is Tampa is really, really hard to kick in. He's some funky, funky. Yeah, wind yeah. yeah. the wind yeah. in that stadium is. If you haven't been to Raymond James, it's. I don't even know how you describe it. It's just. It's. It's strange. It took me all all year to try to figure it out, and I was talking to Matt and Bradley in pregame and. It, it's still it swirls it's just fun and you have ryegrass halfway through the year which can be a little bit slick and Matt wasn't as good on field turf because he played I don't know it was it was one of those weird things but like I still think they're going to be in range so much and his leg is so strong you're going to a bunch of 50 but pay attention to where they play yeah it matters uh as somebody who's watched many kicks um not go so well as a Bears fan I can tell you that it matters uh the wind on the lake whether it's the infamous one or other ones, I was at a game, I'll never forget this. I was like 10 years old, the Bears were playing the Cleveland Browns, and the Bears line up to kick a, to kick a field goal, and the ball literally, it's a perfect kick, but the wind comes off the lake, and it's, it's famous. The ball literally just flies. Like, it, the wind catches it, and the ball goes like 50 yards, to the, and you're like, how the hell did that just happen? Well, if you've been to Chicago, and you've been on the lake, 
and you know what the wind's like, it's a terrible place to kick. Like it's I, I hit one in, in Jacksonville like that one night that just took a left turn. Yeah, I, it's, the it's, wind coming off the river. Like I love Chris Boswell. Pittsburgh's grass sucks after October, and it's nasty. Like that wind is funky. You know, you're not getting a lot of 50s there, right? They're going to score a lot yeah. of points. Yeah. But you're not getting a lot of those big, long field goals. So, like, the farthest one I ever kicked in Heinz Field is 52 yeah. yards or whatever it is. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard. It's, so, pay attention to those guys. Yeah, it's it's totally different Buffalo. than kicking don't, inside. Don't take home. Chicago, yeah. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. Like, Cleveland. It is amazing what Phil room. Dawson did in Cleveland for all those years. I've been to a bunch of games there. That, it's sitting on Lake Erie with yeah. a big cut in one end of the stadium, which makes it just brutal. It's, it's not, uh, I've watched it. I mean, it's, you, you feel, you see the wind kind of starting to pick up and you're like, this is not good. Like you better get in the end zone. Cause this, that field goal, it doesn't matter if it's 22 or 52, like there's a good chance it's not going to go in. So guys, end of the pod, final thoughts, Jamie, I'll let you go first. Uh, I guess my, my final thoughts would be that, you know, these, these positions still matter uh, just because of, you know, where you want to take them late. And I, and I do advocate you take them late, you know, final three to four rounds type of thing, but they still matter and they still take your attention. And if you're, if you're of the mind, like, you know what, I'm just going to take, you know, my last two round picks are going to be defense and kicker, uh, which I think would be perfectly fine to do that. You have to do that knowing you have a strategy. And that means when you take that defense in the last round, let's say, for example, you're not taking the defense that you're drafting for the season. You're taking the defense you're going to draft for week one and maybe for week one and week two. And at that point, you have to strategize around that because if you're going to wait that long, you're streaming at the position. So don't take the guy that's like, oh, well, at the end of the year, I think he might be the kicker 11, but has terrible matchups to start the year because you're going to drop him before you ever get the opportunity to play him and get to that point. So if you are going to wait at both of those positions, which I think is perfectly fine, you're drafting players that you're going to play the first couple of weeks of the season. And you have to look at the schedule for that. And you have to go, maybe you're drafting the 18th kicker because he's playing indoors back-to-back weeks. Or you're drafting the 15th defense because they start the season with, you know, two of the worst offenses in the league. Like, that's what you have to start thinking about. If you're not going to target one of these top players at the position, or if you know you're in a league where people get ridiculous and they take kickers like in the seventh round, you know, like, well, the top players are always going to be off the board. So I'm not, I'm not passing up a flex to take a kicker. Uh, just know that at that point, your strategy shifts to this is now the waiver wire when you get to the end of your draft. Who are you picking up for this coming week? And if you do that philosophy, you'll be successful. I mean, I, I think all of us in this have won both ways. I think I've won more doing the mix and match. Like, I haven't been lucky enough to grab the Bears defense two years ago where they're, you know, defense number 10 and they being number one, or last year yeah. grabbing the Patriots defense. I, I you know, because it's so hard to, to get that spot especially early in the season when you don't expect it because they'll have a bad matchup and you'll drop and you'll mix and match. But you can win either way. You just have to know if you're not going to tackle one of these top positions and one of these guys right away that are just guaranteed. You know, I draft Justin Tucker. He is playing every week except the bye week. If you don't get one of those players, you then immediately have to shift your focus to this is a waiver wire pickup. Even though it's my draft, who am I taking for the early on? And knowing I don't care what they do in weeks three, four, six, 16. I only care what they're going to do in week one and maybe week two, or if you're lucky enough to find someone with back-to-back really strong matchups. Yeah. I, I want to, we talk about these two specifically. I lean towards getting one of those top five kickers on a really good offense, preferably that plays inside. That's kind of matchup proof. Even if they, they kick six, six extra points, it's kind of like your worst case scenario. Right. And I have a lot more success streaming defenses because it is so hard to say which one's going to be, you know, that good and pick it. Yeah, we, the season. we know you, there's the always somebody are. on the waiver wire defensively that you can get by with that week. You might not help you a ton, but you can get by. It's not going to kill you 
having a terrible kicker, that, that'll kill you. So I, I think it's – to me, it's if you're going to lean one way or the other and which one you want to snag sometime through there, to me it's, it's getting one of those top five or six kickers. Yeah, I think really, – Really seven. I think you throw Matt Gay and, and Gonzalez in there, and I think you're going to be okay because those offenses are going to be really, really good. For sure. I think especially if you if you get one of those top five guys, it's just the – I feel a lot more confident in those guys because I've seen it consistently. Defense doesn't stay consistent. There's not There's not, hey, we can go give you a top five defense year in and year out. It's never the same. Nobody's ever right. It's It's the hardest to predict because it changes, and it's not – the scoring in your league matters, so pay attention to that. Make sure you're looking and adjusting the rankings based off of how things are impacted. I know some leagues do points against count against you more than certain leagues. Um, turnovers count for a lot more or sacks count for a lot more. Some people play in individual defensive leagues, right? I know Jake's played in a league like that before. So those are some of the things you want to pay attention to. These are the rankings, and then you got to adjust from there because I know everybody's got their own little – little funky things that they're doing in their league. So make sure you're, you're adjusting for those and things. Just, as you're just like at these this. offenses are going to be good. You want those kickers. These defenses have to play those offenses. Absolutely. So when you're leaning towards defenses and you're trying to pick one, pick the best pass rush. Yep. Well, the Chargers are a great option with Bosa yep. and Ingram. The, Ni- the Niners, of course. But like teams that have really good pass rushers, they might not have a lot else. But they got, they're going to get a bunch of sacks, which means they're going to get a bunch of turnovers. That's why I like Denver. Going in Von Miller and Chubb. And people forget about Chubb. being a beast coming off that injury missed all last year. If you're going to have to stream one or you're leaning towards picking one, pick the one with the best pass rush is my, is my, my two cents there as well. Yeah. The, the final, final thoughts on today's podcast. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. And Jamie? Tell me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDM fantasy underscore on Twitter. You should follow the draft network on all social media platforms at the draft network. Check out some of our new video content that we've been going out. We rolled out the TDN top 100 this week. So you can see our scouting department did an excellent job. 400 plus scouting reports on the upcoming class that could potentially be the only film that we have. So this is a, they did a huge project this off season and they unveiled their top 100 that, People are arguing over. I know that's a big shocker to everybody that they're arguing over who, who belongs in the top 100. And my, my final, final thoughts is don't send me any more DMs about your kid. Okay. That's my final thoughts. I'm not moving him in the rankings. It's not happening. My guys made their decisions and I'm not changing the final thoughts. Okay. That's, that's the official end of the podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.